We serve a great God. Titus chapter 2, verse 13. We read in the scriptures, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of that great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Here it is, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from iniquity and purify into himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Now, that word peculiar doesn't mean odd, but I have certainly ran to a few of those guys and women along the way. Odd. But this means special, particular, belonging to God. And uh, I just want to remind you today that you have the seal of God upon you if you're saved. God has given you his Holy Spirit. What more? Uh, what more could we ever expect? Just sinners. But we've been given the Spirit of God. And the Bible tells us he is the earnest. And that word earnest means down payment. Bill and Arise just got a home, and I'm sure they made him put down some earnest money that you were going to finish the transaction. And God has given us his Holy Spirit to be in with it, dwell us, minister to us, help us through these earthly years. And here it is, God saying, I'll finish the transaction. Um, amen. We're saved, sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. Now, I want to just give you a few things I was thinking about the other day about, I got a great God. I serve a great God. God's been so good to me. Uh, only a great God could, could give like he has given. You know, uh, Titus chapter 2, verse 13 and 14 that we just read says that we're looking for the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The truth is, he came looking for us before we ever thought about looking for him. Uh, God is a giver. He gave himself for us. Scriptures over and over tell us this truth. And they're all over the world. Again, we as Westerners, we, we tend to think in our own little area, but all over the world there are false religions and false gods that people worship. And uh, I, I came out of a false worship. I came out of, I, I came out of a cultic background. God saved my soul and changed my life through the gospel, receiving Christ, and he's made me his own. I'm, I'm his peculiar treasure. That's the, the meaning of that, special, belonging to God. And uh, I have that seal of the Holy Spirit. But, you know, other people, these false gods, false worship, false deities, they all are serving a God that wants to be appeased, that must be appeased. That must, you must bring things to them. Uh, we have a God that isn't looking for, for things from us. He gives to us. Now, he wants our worship. He wants our love. He wants our loyalty. He wants our allegiance. He wants our affection. But he's not looking for trinkets. I was thinking of this the other day, Tom. You'll remember this in Shalim. We went to, we went to Vancouver. And while we were over in Vancouver... The missionary took us to a Buddhist temple. I had never been in one before. We had our youth group in there, and Tom Schley, my wife and I, and uh, we went in, and, and there, were, there were all kinds of people scurrying around, and the apartments above apartments in this temple is where all the temple priests were to Buddha. And when they saw our crowd come in, uh, they all started coming out of their rooms, left and right, kind of wanted to know who we were. But what I remember, right in the middle of that courtyard was a, a large st uh, statue, a large uh, god, of their god, Buddha. 
Just pretty good size, right in the middle of the courtyard. Sort of like when you go to a Chinese restaurant, you'll see them there too. But anyway, <laughs> I, I was going to say like a big belly Baptist preacher too. But anyway, <laughs> this Buddhist idol right in the middle of the courtyard. And, and as you got closer there, all along the altar that they built around him were flowers that people brought and little tiny pieces of paper they rolled up and those were the prayers, their requests to that idol. Meat, food, fruit of all kinds. And as they had brought these to these idol, this idol, by the end of the day, the heat of the day, the meat was rotten and the fruit was no good. The flowers were wilted. And money, money was stuck in everywhere around that. And I'm sure those Buddhist priests came down and gathered that up at the end of the day. And that was part of probably taking care of that, that, uh, that place. But you know, I remember thinking that day as I looked, I'm so glad I'm saved. I, I, I thought to myself, I'm so glad I know God. And I, I was in one false religion and then God saved my soul and I hadn't been around Buddhist stuff. But I thought and I think now, Thank God that God showed me he was a giving God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know, that's the, that's the big truth. That's the number one truth I think of. Our God is a loving and a giving God. To who? Us sinners, unworthy. Amen. It's the nature, it's the prerogative of our God not to be... Uh, expecting for himself, but to give of himself. We serve a great God. Sometimes I don't think we realize it as much as we should for all God has done. Now, many of you stood up and said, God did this and God did that, and I'm thankful for second chances. We ought to do more of that. Maybe we ought to give more opportunity for it. Maybe so. But, you know, we ought to be thankful for where we're at today. In 1 John 4, in verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. Had he not approached us, taken the first step. Some of you, again, uh, Brother Ken Kreider mentioned you, many of you are raised in Christianity. You were raised in the faith. Not everybody in this room had that opportunity. But God came looking for you. And, you know, even those that have been raised up in the faith, you had to have your own day of salvation. You had to come to your own realization but boy, were you given a great opportunity being raised up in a Christian environment and home. But we all had to come the same way, and that's through Christ. Amen. I just want a declarative message today. We serve a great God. And we ought to be willing to say so every once in a while, as the Scripture tells us. Look at Psalm 116 this morning as we look at the psalmist's heart here that he loved and wanted to serve his God. Psalm 116, look at verse 12, the the Bible tells us, what shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I mean, he's contemplating all that God has given him, all that God has done for him. And he says, what shall I render? What shall I give unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? That, that's, Jason, you were talking that way this morning. God been so good, provided, uh, been such a, a, a giver uh, to us. Verse 13, I will take the cup of salvation, I'll call upon the name of the Lord. Why should I give? Why should I love the Lord? Why should I seek to worship him? Because he first gave himself.
himself for me, for you. And this brings us to another thought. Only a great God could give himself like he did. Like he did. He became a sacrifice. He became sin for us who knew no sin. Um, I was going to preach to you this morning seven thoughts, but I don't think I'm going to get to seven. I just want to declare we, we serve a great God. We, a mighty God. It's amazing that such a God would give himself for such a one as me and for you. We need to remember that today. Now, in the book of Titus here, look at verse 13 again, and we say, who, we see who gave himself for us, and that's, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 13, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of that great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, we're looking for his, his coming for us, the rapture. We're looking for the Lord to return, and he's going to return just any day now. But he gave himself for us, the incarnate God, the God that had come in the flesh. He went to the cross for my forgiveness and for my salvation. And if you're saved, for the very same. So it ought to say, it ought to be a declarative statement there. Oh, what a Savior. What a great God he is. And Oh, how I love him. How I ought to uh, lift his name up, not only before the multitudes, but especially in the congregation of the saints. It shouldn't be foreign unto us. Who gave himself for us. Why did he give himself for us? It says that great God and our Savior. That, that's a key point, our Savior. He left heaven. He left the Father. He left the worship of the angels to come down here for us. Just a reminder today, he came for you. He came to save your soul. He came to give you a new life. He came to give you forgiveness. Uh, how did he give himself? Well, two ways, voluntarily. I can't imagine. Here's the Lord saying, Lord, I, Father, I'll go. I mean, he didn't have to come. But he did it totally of his own desire. Voluntarily he came for us, for sinners. And he came vicariously. He came in my place. He took my sin upon himself that I might become a child of God. Only a great God would give for sinners like us. He gave himself for the world, for mankind. I mean all the world. You know, a lot of times we hear about the uh, different peoples of the world, and sometimes there's prejudice. We know there's prejudice in our world today, but the Lord came for every man, every boy, every girl. And he didn't look at what color somebody was or what class of people they were. He didn't look at the situation of their life. They're all over the globe. And you know, the Lord's still searching for, for lost people to bring them unto himself. I'm glad for a God like that. He came for the world. He came for the church. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.25, he gave himself for us. We are the bride of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We are his Beloved. I mean, he loves you, Christian. Listen, saint, he loves you so much, you can't even understand the love he loves you with. And uh, when I think about that, Galatians 2.20, who loved me and gave himself for me, nobody me, but that's my God. What a great God we serve. And that's what I want you to think about as you leave today. Amen. Only a great God could redeem us from all iniquity. 
He took away my sin and He put it on His cross. And He made me clean before a holy God. When God looks at me, He doesn't see the old Steve Brown. He sees the renewed son, Stephen Brown. His child. And boy, He's made a lot of changes in my life and I thank God for it. But I'm glad He's not done working on me. Amen. Only a great God could purify sinful men and women. And how did he do it? He did it with his blood. He washed us by his word. Brother Jerry was saying the word of God. What a precious, precious gift from God to us is the word of God. Get in it. Study it to show thyself approved. Let it change you more. And then he's purified us through the work of his Holy Spirit. Speaking to us dealing with us about our own sin. Amen. Encouraging us. He's called the comforter. And so many times in our lives, we go through hard places, and there's the Holy Spirit there to comfort us, the Word of God to comfort us, the church which Jesus bought with his own blood to comfort us. The countermen saying today, what a blessing the church has been through this trial. That's the gift of God. And we need one another, and we ought to encourage one another. But he said... Also, I read here that God is a God that chose us to be a peculiar people. Again, his own special possession, his own special treasure. Now, I don't know about you, but a lot of times I don't feel that way about myself. But that's exactly how the Lord feels about me and you if you know him as your Savior. His own exclusive, we're his own object of ownership, the Lord. And he's making sure that we come to him again by giving us his Holy Spirit to make sure that we get there. He is the guarantee. Hey, I'm 100% guaranteed of going to heaven. Amen. There's not a thing anybody can do about it. Even me. Even me. I'm going. Because God's given me his promise, his seal, his earnest money of the Holy Spirit. Lastly, uh, God could make somebody like me zealous for him. You know, I'm glad I got something to live for. Um, this world, people are striving and living for so many different things, and they always end up empty. No matter how much money they have or how many possessions they have or material things they have, uh, they're just always still seeking, striving for something to fill that, that void, that spot that's that's empty. And I'm telling you, I'm, I have a zeal in my heart for God that I would not have if it wasn't for him. And I don't quite frankly understand people that don't have it. I mean, I, I love him, and I want to serve him. I want to do his will. I don't want to do my will. If I do my will, I'll mess up every time. But I'll seek to serve him with all my heart, and that's what the Lord... You know, the Lord gave, and he wants us to worship him and love him. But I think what we can look to is one day, go to Isaiah 53, look at verse 11, and I'll wrap this up. 53 and verse 11, it's a verse that we we read, we know about, but we really really, uh, muse upon it. Speaking of Jesus, he shall see the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, 
for he shall bear their iniquities. But notice, he shall see the travail of his soul, and he shall be satisfied. I think it's speaking about when the Lord was on the cross. He was dying for you and I. Travail, all that he went through. That word's a word for a woman in labor, bringing forth a child. The pain, the anguish. They say that when a woman brings forth a child by natural childbirth, she comes close to death. The travail of his soul. The Lord was dying on the cross for us. He shall see the travail of his soul. And uh, verse 11 goes on and says, and he shall be satisfied. (laughs) I was thinking about this. I don't think you think this. I don't think I think this. But when the Lord looks at you, he sees the travail of his soul, and he is satisfied. We're nothing. We're nothing. But he looks at you in your redeemed state. You know what he said? You're worth it. I'm worth it. I'm worth that God would send his son. I'm worth that Jesus would shed his blood. One of these days, when it's all over, he's going to stand back. See the travail of his soul and be satisfied. And until that day, I want to live a life that he's pleased with me. We mess up, Tori said. We make mistakes, we mess up. Why would a God love me like that? Why would a God? Because he's a great God. What a great God we serve. Now what we all need to do is go out of here, and this next week in the days to come, let's tell it. Let's tell everybody what a great God we serve. And just like you stood up and said, God's provided, God has given, God has healed. Man, tell this world out there, that you serve a great God. He's satisfied when he looks at his finished work. And you're it. You, my friend, if you're saved, are it. Let's bow our heads if we would. Every head bowed. How to be worshiping him. Man, I could have been born. I could have been born over there in Vancouver. I, I could have been born over in China. I could, have been, I could have been born somewhere where I didn't have a hope of ever coming to know God. Never a gospel witness. But the Lord saw fit to let me hear the gospel. Let me realize my need of Christ. Let me get saved. Let me get grounded, let me get in this ministry and let me be a part of God's satisfied. He's satisfied when he looks at me. Hmm. God, help us to be more grateful, more thankful. Help us, God, to declare how great you are. You certainly are. Help us not only to do it in the church as we should and more of, especially out there in this lost world. Help us, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.